last uh, last Sunday was Mother's Day. Turns out I was talking to a buddy who goes golfing with the same four people every week, and they had made a pledge that this year doesn't matter. This Mother's Day, they wanna you know it's early spring, so like haven't had a lot of golf, so they wanna you know keep keep it together no matter what it takes. Get out of any obligations and get to the golf course uh, Sunday morning. And so they all show up, and the first guy is like, kind of, he's like, hey, I didn't think I was going to make it, but I did. And his buddy said, well, what do you have to do to get out of it? He goes, well, I did the whole breakfast in bed, gave her the gift early, and told her tonight, you know, we'll go to whatever restaurant you want, the whole night, got a sitter, so kind of make up for it later. You know, the second guy said, well, you know, that's not that bad. It's like, you know, I did the same thing, but I also have to take out my mother-in-law as well as taking out my wife tonight. And it's a whole big deal, but you know what? I'm glad I'm here. You know, it will be worth it. You know, the third guy said, huh, you know, so no jewelry involved. I'm the only one who had to shell out for like a new necklace and, you know, plus doing the dinner and visiting the mother-in-law. And they're like, Oh man, sorry, but Hey, glad you made it. Fourth guy's like, you ready to tee off? And they all looked at him and goes, well, what about you? What did you have to do to get here? Because I just rolled over and said, golf course or intercourse? She said, bring a sweater. She she said, bring a sweater, Joe. Because <laughs> they're married. And, and then so so he wanted to have sex with his wife. Well, he didn't, but he said golf course or intercourse. And then, and then she said, bring a sweater. <laughs> that was a long way to go. <laughs> Short time to get there. <laughs> Like the other three guys' setups really had nothing to do nothing. with no. It was like no, no, yeah, no. Like, okay, we'll have a talk <laughs> after the show about how to tell jokes. Ah, uh, welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques, and I'm hungry. And that ray of sunshine over there is Joe. Ah, uh, let's get right into it. Big week, Joe. Uh, Bring a sweater. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be happier. <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, so you know, uh, I, I'll you know, I'll, I'll do the fat shaming. This this past Thursday, um, I sent the inspirational, you know, getting ready for a Phoenix tournament message to the guys. Unfortunately, it wasn't from the ice rink. It was from the center of hell. And by the center of hell, I mean the bus I was on with my second grade son. In his class, because I had a chaperone, a field trip to the Museum of Science. Wow. Or as my religious friends would call it, the Museum of Lies. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, uh, yeah, so I didn't, I, the one day I get to skate, you know, I, I, I didn't get to do. Like, the one day I get to skate before going to a tournament, before the first time in three years playing hockey game, I don't get the last skate in because I have to pretend to give a shit about my kid. Oh, when did you learn how to make how they make an ocean wave wave? You know, I always I did that the last time I was there. And then I'm like, I, I made a little video. I sit at home because they had like some little penguin thing. And my sister's like, that's the aquarium commercial. Dumbass. And I'm like, I can walk like a penguin. penguin. I know what makes an ocean wave wave. My name is Karen. Now, My name is Karen. <laughs> and now back to the movie loft. <laughs> <laughs> that was during, that was more of a channel fifty six. That was fifty six during the morning cartoons or afternoon cartoons. Well, creature double feature. Yeah, Big creature fan. double feature. Yeah. So, uh, so this this week I am going out to Phoenix. Uh, so I did get the workout today before coming over here. Like fifteen rounds on the heavy bag. 
No jokes about wife's sleep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I like how on the rundown it says back to fake fat shaming, as if we ever left fat yeah, that, shaming. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Phoenix, ready or not? Fun fact, not ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, w- I actually zoned out when you said something about Phoenix. When are you going to Phoenix? Uh, next weekend. I, I no. uh, ne- Next weekend. Um, but I'll, I'll get to it, uh, you know, more, more about the week coming up. We're not going to do the stupid weather stuff, but it was crazy cold this week. And I just want to say I would love to pass legislation that says you can punch people in the face who every time it's cold or especially when it's cold in mid to late May – uh, and you can punch him in the face when they say, so much for global warming. Like, legally, I think you can punch somebody in the face. It's hack at this point. Yeah. it's, it's Come up with something new. Well, it, it's, it's not only hacks. Some, some folks will actually use that to deny, like, global warming. But I will say the wife had um, those, those memories come up on Facebook two years ago. So what, what, what day was it crazy cold? Like, I, it, it actually snowed in a couple – like New England towns on Tuesday, Monday or, or Tuesday, Monday, yeah, like dustings. I got in the car; it was thirty nine degrees. But two years ago, what came up on memories is uh, in Wilmington they have this like big man made lake called Silver Lake. Uh, you know, it has lifeguards. We were there with the boys and one of my nephews, and it was uh, ninety degrees <laughs> two, <laughs> two years ago. Ah, yes. So you know what they say about New England weather? If you don't like the weather now. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make a compilation of laws you wish incorporated punching people in the face. I think, now get, I might be jumping to conclusions here, but I think you really want to punch people in the face. Yes. I I just, I just hide my emotions so much. I just keep so much brought up inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Let it out. On a, so on a, on a, on a, well, it's a, Glass half full, glass half empty note. Depends how, how you want to look at it. Uh, there was a passing of Doris Day, which I'm not going to, you know, I know some old movies and stuff like that. But this week we lost Tim Conway, who I was a huge fan of. You know, the sad thing is, you know, lose another great older comedian. Good news is I get to add two more impressions to my repertoire. Make it a third. <laughs> Grumpy, Grumpy cat. cat, right? Uh, who I, it was great. I actually was listening to like a little, uh, what what do you call it? Not not a eulogy, a um, obituary, like rundown. It's like of the career of Grumpy Cat and how many times it was either referenced in pop culture, like like Obama and, and uh, you know made reference to Grumpy Cat like one time in a talk. Another talk about gone too soon. By the way, seven. Yeah, yeah. But that pussy had nine lives. He used them all. <laughs> Um, but but so yeah, I'm not going to lament over Doris Day. You know, people like Gilbert Godfrey came, but but Tim Conway, um, seriously, he's he's got a fifty, sixty year career of being awesome and funny. I think so. Right, he started in the fifties, you know, and then he kind of wrapped it up mid two thousands ish. I saw him live actually with Harvey Corman. They came to Lynn, but what? 15 years ago or so and i went with peter and uh yeah it was i can't remember much of what i saw i just appreciate having seen them and knowing that they were funny and just happy to be there i didn't know they weren't a comedy team or duo really before the carol Burnett show they both 
you know, came to the Carol Burnett show from other places, but then instantly, like they, their chemistry is one of those things. They were, I don't want to say older, but they were older. You know, they were in their thirties in established, established comedic actors. Um, who, who honestly, you would, you would have thought they were an old vaudeville act that had, you know, polished their routine for like, you know, two decades before they hit the, hit the big screen together and stuff like that. I mean, top three Tim Conway sketches on set on Carol Burnett. I mean, you know, the two that kind of make the rounds on the internet now since his passing. Uh, w- well, which ones do you refer to? All right. So the elephant story. Yeah. With uh, where he plays, I forget the char- his character's name, but he's, it's the Eunice Mama's uh, the family sketch, <laughs> and he tells it, and it's actually an outtake that they show online now, or that made it, it has become most popular because he tells a story about the two elephants, the Siamese elephants <laughs> who are attached to the trunk, and then when they when they they couldn't make the regular noise like like the other elephants, like <laughs> it's a little sad when all they could make was that. That sound where they go, York. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, the, I mean, the brilliance of him was underplaying everything. Like, like he was the lovable loser, but completely. And I don't want to say a one trick pony. I mean, it wasn't like he had this amazing range, but his character didn't get old. Like, like that, that, you know, goofy, lovable loser. Um, really worked and for me it's like by the time i hit high school and again we we referenced wlvi quite a bit uh on this show i i think what kept them afloat like financially the last 10 years of existence was the dorf on golf commercials not not exactly true you were kind of stuck in the 80s dorf was an 80s thing okay um you're kind of you probably don't have this on your radar but i don't know if you made a lot of money from this but he was the voice of Barnacle Boy on SpongeBob SquarePants. There was Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, who were the TV. Oh, oh they're my favorite. Right. And of course, they're played by Tim Conway as Barnacle Boy. And who played Mermaid Man? Ernest Borgnine, which is a throwback to their pairing on McHale's Navy, which, which is a nautical themed show, like SpongeBob. So yeah, that, they, they were the underwater. They, they were, they were the. Underwater Batman and Robin, Adam, the Adam West, like yeah, uh, they were like the Adam Ward. West and Burt Ward, but they were, you know, they were huge. Um, well, they were, they were like they were huge in, to SpongeBob because he would watch the old reruns, and then he would try to reach out to them in real life, and they're at a retirement home, you know, so <laughs> that's where most of their current day goings on would happen, and it would be funny because. SpongeBob would always want to bring them out of retirement, little SpongeBob and Patrick. And usually, Mermaid Man would be the more energetic one to want to, you know, rekindle the the old flame of fighting crime. And Barnacle Boy was always just reluctantly in tow, you know, kind of almost begrudgingly going along. Well, I mean, he always he had the same. He was, you know, he hated the fact that he was in his seventies. Living in a retirement home, still referred to as Barnacle Boy, right? Um, but that's that's the last Tim Conway thing that probably made any sort of what do you call it money. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, and again, we, where we listen to the Gilbert Gottfried show, it's like it's it's funny slash sad how many times they're like, oh, 
let's hope we get this guy while we can still get this guy. Tim Conway apparently was suffering from dementia oh. in his last year, like year or six months or something like that. And he would never, he was never a big, you know, interview guy. You know, he was kind of a, not a recluse, but just, I guess, just retired and didn't want to be in the spotlight. And even, I don't know how much stock footage you can find of him going on like Merv Griffin or things like that. Like he wasn't a big, he was almost like Peter Sellers in a way. Well, there were some people who just probably can't excel, probably can't go in and sit down and have one of those. Oh, he probably, yeah, he was just a performer uh, and didn't have much of a personality on his own. I watched the entire pilot. Um, Gilbert Gottfried had, had posted it. He did a pilot for a show that didn't get picked up, and it's going to now drive me up the wall. Uh, he was a comedy writer. He was a part of a writing team. Who? Tim Conway? Tim Conway. Oh. Yeah, it was from like 1974. Mm. It was a pilot about these two writers who shared an office together and worked on you know, a sketch comedy show. Um, oh, so they were going sort of like a Dick Van Dyke approach to like a Carol Burnett? Kind of. But, you know, it was a straight up sitcom, you know. Oh, and, yeah, right. You know, one of them... I should have prepped and, and wrote okay. down what it was. But it was great. I mean, it was such a... 1974, you know, uh, and some of the stuff was dated and some of it wasn't, you know, but it was great. I mean, I will have to check that out. But it's not like we lost somebody who's on Saturday Night Live now, you know, he's been out of the public eye, but, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was great. I mean, but yeah, if you have, I mean, check out, obviously, there's that elephant sketch that I, that I talked about, but there was that, the, the dentist sketch. Right, where he's uh, and he accidentally he acci he he's a dentist to Harvey Corman, and he's supposed to inject Harvey Corman with the Novocaine, but he's reading the instruction manual because it's his first time, <laughs> and he keeps accidentally ejecting himself over and over again, and different body parts, you know, go numb after each time, and it's just awesome. It's just awesome. I heard somebody refer to his style of comedy as patient. He was like patient. They were. They didn't, you know, rush in to try to capitalize on each other's laughs or building on, you know, they they they, they let things play out. Now, there's also one other thing where a sketch where he's uh, playing a Nazi interrogator to I think Ly uh, was it Lyle Wagoner I think was the prisoner of war or the you know the U.S. soldier that they uh, apprehended and they're trying to interrogate and Tim Conway. Uh, it says, well, if you're not going to talk to me, maybe you'll talk to the Führer. And he pulls out a hand puppet of Adolf Hitler. And it's just zoomed in on, like next to, I think it's Lyle Wagner's face. Maybe it's Carby Corman. And, you know, the guy's obviously trying not to crack Working. up. Yeah, but you see this little Hitler puppet <laughs> being controlled by Tim Conway. Check that out. And if you don't, then you're just a complete asshole. Sorry. You've just been diagnosed as an asshole <laughs> if you don't want to see that sketch that I just described to you. And, and, and if you are suffering from being an asshole, and the cure is watching Tim Cowboy sketches. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Is it covered by regular insurance? Do you need... Oh, no. You, you, it's <laughs> strictly out of pocket. But well worth it. Um, so the other big news of this week, for the first time, the return of the prodigal son... Uh, my going back to Cali, uh, I think I'm flying to LA on Wednesday morning or Tuesday night. Haven't decided yet because I wake the other night, maybe it was Saturday, maybe it was Sunday night 
I, you know, a text message from a guy who worked on the movie with me, who I haven't heard from in a while. It's like, hey, I want to go. Can you call in a favor? I really like to go to the premiere, the red carpet premiere. And I'm like, sure. Oh, now this is the premiere of what again? Assimilate. What is it called? Unless they change the name no, again. I, I oh, assimilate. Assimilate. And um, it's a movie that uh, I got asked to be, luckily got asked to help produce uh seven years ago it took three years to raise some money shot it and now it's taken another three years to come out since then uh the project was supposed to be about an, a year to 18 month window the guy who created legendary pictures a mentor of mine uh bill fay uh you know year before he left legendary said i want to go make smaller movies i'd love to work with you on this let's let's go do it and so i did uh, it so was, it's a period piece. Uh, Basically, there's a lot of flip phones and fax machines. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, uh, po- posting stuff on YouTube was big. Ah, L- yeah. like, like one of the one of the big, big things. Um, but it's, so anyway, so I get a text and I'm like, uh, sure, dude, it's, it's it's going right to like, you know, you know, iTunes and stuff like that. You know, I don't know. I know I knew it was getting a tiny theatrical release. Like, I mean, tiny, like the people who bought the film need to get it in X amount of theaters nationwide. I mean, tiny theaters in the middle of nowhere, but across the country so they can, you know, use the PR of like a nationally released feature. This is an MD, minimum distribution. Correct. Uh, is there a MMMD minimum? Anyways, um, so I'm like, yeah, sure. If there's something, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. And then, you know, because it's two in the morning when I check my phone, and I hit refresh on the email. I get the evite, you know, from from you know Bill saying, "Hey, no, it's last notice, but there's a theater in Beverly Hills who are doing a premiere, the red carpet thing. You know, you want to come out for this?" And I'm like, uh, "Oh, well, sure, you know." You're right. So I'm going. So you're gonna load up the wagon and, and head to Beverly. You know, hills that, that is. is swimming pools, movie stars. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, as you can tell. It's palpable, right? Oh yeah, you're gonna head right to Marshalls after this to pick up that t- tuxedo T-shirt. <laughs> I actually, I actually talked about that with management today, and and I'm really bummed that she won't be able to go. Just too many moving pieces here. Um, for her to be able to, you know, plus she's going to take off a week. We were supposed, we are going to LA for the summer. I, I should be there, take a week to drive out, be there for a few weeks with the boys. She's going to come out for a week to do Disney and stuff. So it, she can't really just take off a couple other days right now. Uh, but I am, I, I'm, you know, I, I am, I'm excited. I produced a movie that's getting a little bit of red carpet, tiny little, little press, you know, but one of the, a couple of the actors have been doing very well. So, We'll get some kind of coverage and stuff. Are we going to have some red carpet reporting from a certain <laughs> roving reporter from a certain fledgling podcast? Uh, I, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure I can get some sound bites for us. Uh, if you would like to come, Joe, I mean, I'm you know I'm going to fly in Wednesday morning and I'll start walking now and fly out with me. Going to crash at our, our good friend friend of the podcast Biff's house. Biff's going to come to the pre- Biff's my date. Biff's my plus one. Um, maybe John can come. It would be great. Um, but yeah, and then Thursday, Biff gets a seven hour version of Carnival Personnel as we will be driving from L.A. to Phoenix for the tournament together. So I figure we can toggle between 
me ranting and listening to old episodes of Carnival Personnel. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> it's Jock talking for seven hours. Seven hours. Um, actually, it will probably be about eight to nine hours because believe it or not, you're walking on air. I never thought it would be, you know. Uh, now I can't. I can't have a conversation now. Now the whole theme song to Greatest American Hero has to play the conclusion in my head before I can talk. Uh, Biff actually goes to the bathroom more than I do, so the car trip will, you know, every every probably thirty minutes we'll have to pull over. Um, well, you know, just more opportunities to pick up snacks. Uh huh. We, and we have. We've. I think we've driven together like three or four times, and it's a blast. It, it, it really is. And we'll, so we'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll fly back either late Friday or Saturday, Sunday night or early Monday. But, yeah, so I will take off either Tuesday night or Wednesday, you know, go to the premiere of my movie. Now, when I say my movie, I didn't write it. I didn't star in it. I didn't pay for it. Didn't get paid for it. Didn't get paid for it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I did get paid while there, but, you know, the real money doesn't come in unless it does really well. That's where, you know, fighting between Avatar and Infinity War. Um, yeah, what else is premiering this week? Is there, like, as Aladdin coming out, I think? Yeah. <laughs> so you got Aladdin, Avengers, um, what was it, Pikachu movie, and then Assimilate. I, yeah. Hey, if we lived in a world where we were possibly fourth <laughs> on next weekend. Oh, I just fast forwarded to 155th. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'll take 155th. Okay. Uh, anyway, so that, that's my that's my big week coming up. Now oh. we got to figure out, you know, am I taking a bike and we go to podcast? No, it's no. We can do, what is it, Memorial Day weekend? Memorial Day weekend. Oh, well, we'll take a, we'll, 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 that's a national holiday and it's also a podcast holiday. Okay. I mean, you know, give the people the an opportunity to. Listen to other people talk, um, maybe people that they enjoy listening to. And by the way, your entire audience is going to be around you anyway, so just do the podcast without me. Um, Put me on speaker, and we'll just do the podcast for our audience. Direct to audience podcasting. It's like doing a live podcast. Yeah. Um, well, so I, now I'm going to debate if I'm not taking up all the space with this huge microphone instead. Do I bring my PS4, as I have in years past? Because... I mean, I'm either going to bring the laptop and get caught up on, like, war crap, because there's nothing. I'm not bringing, like, the boys, so it's not like, and it's not like we go out and party. Because, actually, the first game is Friday night at 11 o'clock at night. So, not like you can do anything all day Friday anyways. So, you know, I'm talking myself, I think, into it, <laughs> you know. And and I'm like, well, with everybody on the team thinking of a loser that I'm sitting in the, the village, John's Village is playing Resident Evil 2? No, they already think you're a loser. Exactly. No, no. Correction. Say it again. What? They already know that you're a Thank loser. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. So, speaking of movies, last weekend we had the... The big carnival personnel family outing. Mm -hmm. uh, we were seated in the northern part of the <laughs> theater, and you were you had tackled the southern part of the theater because was it third weekend? Avengers third weekend on a Sunday afternoon. The theaters still didn't have eight seats available next to each other in the same row. So it, it was fine. It was we, luckily we got four and four, and thank you for requiring the tickets for us and and uh, inviting us. And um, we didn't get to see game two of the 
Bruins uh, Eastern Conference Finals, but what, didn't really was matter. it really a game? Because I because I said to Joe, like you know, I don't want to be tracking the game, but I want to really be tracking. It. And it was the only tickets we could get even four and four? Like that whole weekend, there was no mm. nothing we could get four and four. Um, and so yeah, it was right in the source games at three o'clock on a Sunday. Nice NBC Sports. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was six to nothing going halfway through the third period. So you know, right. Now, your thoughts. This was your first viewing of Endgame. Right. It was my virgin viewing of Endgame. I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised at how um, little I needed to f- go to the bathroom. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, it's going to be three hours, man. Nobody's ever sat down for three <laughs> hours before. That's like, Jesus Christ. You know, have, nobody's played a video game in their lives. Seriously. You know. It was fine. It, I, it, you know, those reclining seats. It was, a, it was, it was a very uh, well done movie. And of course, I, I had to kind of connect some dots because I hadn't seen either Ant Man movie or um, Winter Soldier. I'd seen most of, like you know, Black Panther. I saw most of, um, you know. So I, I kind of connected the dots, but I liked how it all wrapped up. Um, it was, um, it kind of, and actually my son said he got emotional at the end, which, you know, he usually doesn't get emotional unless... Oldest or youngest? Younger. Oh, wow. My younger son said he got emotional at the end. Um, but uh, I thought it was great, you know? it. It. Uh, you like all the time travel talk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the time travel references. Yeah, the, spoiler, the movie's about time travel. Uh, but I like how, yeah, they theorize in the movie about... You know what the rules of time travel are, but this is all sort of speculative coming from um, Ant Man's point of view. What's his name? What's his real name? I know oh. it's Paul Rudd, but is it Jason or something like that? Or but yeah, but he's he's not a scientist. He's not. Yeah, he's just a regular guy a who has the, the 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 power to shrink down to an atom. I mean, for to a an suit ant. that somebody else bought. You know, yeah, right. Like he, he, he fit the suit. He's the Johnny Bravo of the <laughs> Marvel Universe. His claim to fame is he was a good burglar. So, mm. like, you know, going back to, you know, bringing up the Speed Night Man and the Wasp. No. They needed him to break into stuff and steal stuff, and that was his forte. So, yeah. the guy who invented the suit, Hank Pym. You remember him? Can't remember. But, uh, but yeah, and it's really funny when... You know, he comes up with a plan, and everyone's looking at him. The Avengers are looking at him like, wait, you're, so you're basing your plan on Back to the Future. It's like, no. Yeah, basically. Right. And then, But then it's like, and then they re- reference more time travel movies. It's like, so unless, like, Quantum Leap and Time Cop and... Hollywood you know, Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine. You keep saying Hollywood Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If they, unless they're all lying. <laughs> Are they all bullshit? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, the movie's about time travel. It's fun. It wrapped up nicely. It'll make, uh, I think, $200 billion. I'm making up the number $200 billion. Right, but you have to put the pinky uh, yes. and extend it to your lip. $100 million. It was a fine movie. And um, you know, I'll at some point I'm that sure go America's back. Ass. <laughs> I'll at some point have to go back and you know, kind of fill in the blanks with the other Marvel stuff. I'll see Spider-Man: Far From Home. I'm you know looking forward to that. And um, you know, yeah, more more stuff. And, it, and it, one sad note about Endgame that came out this week was that it was revealed that Stan Lee didn't get to see Endgame before he oh. passed. 
So that, that was kind a of bummer. A, but it was nice to see him as a cameo, do a cameo. I mean, it's just it's funny how they just they must have known or just said or was that seat? No, that wasn't. No, no. That, that and, was but, him. but let's let's be honest. He's over. He was over ninety, right? And I think, and I don't know. Is there a cameo in Home Game or Homecoming? I think or, there's been a, a cameo in everything. You no, know, the one coming up, the new Spider. Oh, Far from, from Home. Far from Home. I don't know. We haven't hasn't come out. I don't know if they decided because they they know what the slate is. They know the next few movies, and I and let's face it, we're talking. It's not like a full day shoot that they, you know, do with him. And it's like they could probably. I I wonder if they pre-shot some stuff or if that's like the last cameo we're going to get. Speaking of upcoming movies, we didn't really address this last week, but Disney had a Disney slash Fox slash Universal slash whatever else Disney owns announced their plans for these movies, these franchise movies coming up in the next like five, ten years. Three more Star Wars movies. Thoughts? Well, I saw a great tweet that said, you know, we used to have to go Star Wars A New Hope was 77 and I think Return or Empire Strikes Back was 81 80 it was 80 okay every 3 years and, and then there was Jedi for and there was 83 for Jedi and then how long was it between <laughs> 99 was until Phantom Menace yeah so that was 16 years and then and then every couple years and then again, then it was a decade before Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And you go through it. And then Force Awakens comes. And then uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. And then... Um, Last Jedi. Last Jedi. And then Solo. Solo. But within... And one of the things with Solo, they were saying, it's like, this is the third Star Wars. It wasn't a... that was bad. And look, people are going to hate every Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Well, that's not what if that's not how Solo got his name. That's not how Solo got the dice. That's not Solo's origin story. It's like, yeah, it is because they said it is. You know, when you get your two hundred million dollars together and you can go shoot something, you can make it your story. But one of the things that they were saying, it's like it was kind of a fatigue. I think it was three of those movies came out within like fourteen months. Yep. You know, boom, boom, boom. And it's funny because, like, the tweet that I saw is like, you know, you know, um, me, like, there's so many Star Wars movies, we need a break and space them out. Disney, we hear you. And by the way, we're doing five more in the next two months, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, and Rogue, as we did our, our top, you know, not our top 10, I mean, there's 10, as we did our ranking of Star Wars movies. Including the holiday special. Mm-hmm. I had Rogue One really high. I liked Rogue One. I didn't hate Solo. I mean, it wasn't top five. It, yeah, it was a movie. It's top ten, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was great, you know? Um, and, and the new one looks okay, but, I mean, yeah, it's like... Oh, yeah, how did you... Did I was watching the preview for the, the episode nine coming up during Endgame, and I'm like, looking for you to, like, you know cover your head or you know walk out of the theater and i'm like I, I was told it, it not, doesn't give much away and i and i already knew, you knew the Pal- laugh at the end yeah you knew about palpatine the hide and seek champion <laughs> <laughs> hold my beer said my dad i <laughs> see <laughs> oh. <laughs> what i did there and um yeah i mean it was fine it was you know but this is the end of the Skywalker saga, or is it? I mean, are they doing more? Are they doing a Lando Calrissian? Which, by the way, I didn't like 
in solo, one of the things I didn't like is is Lionel covering that. But it was fine. But um, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, solo was fine. But I don't I don't even know what the movies are. I know they people are like getting back to Endgame. This as this podcast posts, it's after the fourth weekend. It's out, so I'm fine with spoilers. But without getting detailed into spoilers, people die. Like real people die. Like you know. Wow, I can't believe the Avengers are writing these people off. Uh, but, you know, they also made sure that the Avengers are going to continue. Like, here are... And they did the same thing. At the end of Civil War, you know, it's Captain America and and Black Widow who are walking to the training room talking about, well, it's not the 27 New York Yankees, but we do have a pretty good team. They just And he comes in, and it was some of the new or the people that we had met, you know, through either Age of Ultron or through, through you know, Civil War. So we know that, yeah, there's a lot of surviving members who are still sticking around, but all these other players are going to kind of step up in. So they're going to keep doing – so they'll do more origin movies about some of the other people who you don't know. They'll introduce – you know, people that the general public doesn't know, but... I mean, aren't there more... St- like, what's the... Isn't there, like, a, a new storyline or a secondary storyline? I mean, there's many storylines in the comic book universe, right? I mean, they can well, right. kind of choose from. You know, I mean, again, not not going too much into detail, but one of the one of the things when you see Captain Marvel in Endgame, people are like, where the fuck have you been? And she's like, you know, this isn't the only planet where shit's going down. I mean, she's a, you know. Yeah, they'll be on the Captain Marvel 2 and, you know. On one of the other billions of planets that she's mm-hmm. visited, that she's helped, that, you know, that there's conflict and strife going on. Uh, there, there, you know, um, do you want to say anything about the Guardians? Um, why, oh, well, Guardians 3? Yeah, dude. Any thoughts on how endgame ended and how we might find the guardians going forward oh right um that that's i mean it's funny i think it's the, you, the as guardians of the galaxy <laughs> although i will have to say you said it actually not me that after we left the theory like, well finally i can actually cosplay as thor more accurately <laughs> spoiler that the future hasn't been kind to you has it my son <laughs> <laughs> thor thor let himself go well i am but as you know, depression's a bitch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this isn't my parenting tip of the week, but I actually talked to the boys about that. You know, it's like there's being sad well, there's actually depression and Thor was depressed, like clinically should have been seeing somebody, you know, um, dealing with everything from like guilt and remorse and, and, and loss of everything in his world and and not being able to pull his shit together it's 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 a serious thing like you know um, a loss of her sense of purpose and they made light of it i mean that's the thing is right the, the, he was really like going through something but the it was all played for laughs it mostly played for laughs, but they did take time when banner had said to him it's like look you know i was there you know and and do, do you see ragnarok you saw ragnarok mm-hmm. thor had to pull him out of his funk you know, you know, sort of speak, and and so there was there was a moment of of seriousness, but yeah, let's make fun of Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> so great, he will be missed. Who will be missed? You'll never know <laughs> unless you see the movie. <laughs> Iron Man dies. Sorry, <laughs> Iron Man dies. Um, 
And what a noble death. What a sad. Did you tear up? I teared up. I, the second I was, time I teared up. I was able to keep it together. I was not. And I, I actually got, it. I actually got more closer to losing it during the eulogy, you know, the memorial service at the end when they were panning around and showing all of the bands of people that had joined the Avengers along the way or had joined the Marvel universe. I guess, I mean, the Avengers are the Avengers, and then you have these ancillary groups, but it was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know. Yeah, I tear it up, and it's funny because... You know, the, my, my boys, now I'm a crier. I have no qualms about saying, you know, and it's one of those things. It's like they have seen me break my ankle and try to walk it off. They've seen me in MMA, actually in cages fighting. They've seen me play sports. They also have seen me like, you know, lose it. It was a year ago yesterday that we lost our dog. And my, my now nine-year-old periodically will say, I can't believe how much you cried, Papa. Not in a bad way. Like it, it, it really impacted him when he saw how much I lost it when we put our dog Loki down. Um, but at, at movies, you know, sometimes and and it's funny because we had this conversation on the way over here. I cry almost every time I see the Stanley Cup one, and I, I and I mean that when, you know, and because you know. These guys, this is the only time in their life, for the most part, it will ever happen. Every waking moment that they ever had was spent for this one moment, and they got it. And and when you see, like, a life's dream come true, you know, I mean, it, it does. It affects me. But with the movie, it's like, yeah, with Tony Stark and also at, at the funeral when – um, and, and it's what's, – what the Russo brothers did so great is they had – so many callbacks to the entire canon, like little references from the first Iron Man. Uh, uh, you know, there was no end credit, you know, post credit scene. There was just it's a Marvel logo come up. They took the actual audio from the clanking of Tony Stark in the cave making the first Iron Man suit. Um, but but all like the little jokes and references to. All the other, you know, like I said, the entire canon came, you know, came into play. And it, it was nice. It was like, yes, you could follow the movie if you didn't see all the other ones, piece most of it together as you have. But at the same time, it was a little reward almost for all of us people with no lives who buy it digitally the day they come out, even know you saw it in the theater a dozen times. Um, but at, at, at the funeral... When they put the reef in the water and it has his first heart that he made um, or, or that was made for him to keep him alive in Iron Man 1 that Pepper then later took, proof that Tony Stark has a heart that, that sat in his, you know, um, workshop in the in the other two movies. Little things like that got me. But yeah, that, that panning scene uh, and you would see the different actual family families and then the... I don't know the the right way to say families. Some missing people, some that have people, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was tough. And then the very end, you know, I'm, I'm always tearing up um, with the with the Captain America story. You know, mm. uh, you know. Spoiler alert: Captain America will continue, just not with Steve uh, Rogers. Yeah, but I love that story. You yeah. know, I love that. 
he made he made a, a really tough decision, and it was funny because you know what? By the way, let's just put it out here now. We, you know, sorry guys, you know that Iron Man dies because I blurted it out. Yeah. Well, this is going to be more spoilers because you can listen to us yeah, fucking yeah. talk about yeah. it. Yeah, um, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. You know, uh, so so Steve Rogers, uh, they they. Ant-Man comes up with the idea, let's go back in time and get all the stones. And there's a big discussion about the stones are all over the galaxy. And they're all, you know, it's like, how can we possibly collect them? And then somebody's like, you know, at one point in time, three of the stones are in New York City if you go back at the right time. And, you know, so they, you know, they do this. It was great that, you know, Tony Stark got to see his dad. Uh, before he was born, looking forward to having him as a son, and he had this really great moment when he hugged his dad, and he's mm. like, "Thank you for everything." He's thanking his dad, but he's for everything you've done for America, right? But but with Steve Rogers, I mean, he sacrificed himself in 1945, you know, you know, fighting the Red Skull, um, and, and then putting how himself- was he referred to in the movie? Red, like, was, oh, that wasn't Red Skull. I'm thinking, oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. It, he looked like. Um, Sorry, I'm confused. No, he did. He kind of looked like Skeletor. The guy, the Red Skull, was the guy who was protecting the Soul Gem. Yeah, well, who, but he was. Ref- somebody called him a nickname. Oh, he did. He did. I'm trying to think what the hell they called him. Yeah, now. shit. Now, thank you. Guess it's gonna be stuck in my craw. Uh, but anyway, so they go back in time and they get the stones, but they have to put them back in the exact same time frame when they get him so uh you know so when um when when the hulk when banner goes to get the stone from i can't remember her name but uh dr strange mentor and he explains it's going to be seconds for you you know it could be a year i'm gonna have this and be gone but it's it's not gonna cause this alternate universe because i'm coming right back to this very moment and putting the stones back in the time that they get them so at the end of the movie like, you know, Steve Rogers is going on a solo mission to return the stones and everybody who's standing there and it, it, it is uh, it is his buddy Bucky. You know, it is um, it's Hulk. I think it was Ant-Man was Ant-Man. I'm trying to think of who else was there. Uh, Sam, his, you know, it Sam. Was, it was Banner. Oh, and, and the sidebar, when you talk about uh, one of the one of the things that management loves is in. um Winter Winter Soldier is uh, it Winter Soldier when you first meet Sam, and Captain America is running um, by that reservoir pond by the Lincoln Monument and stuff like that. It must be because I hadn't seen most of Winter Soldier. The first <laughs> line in the movie, he's you know there's another guy jogging, and Steve Rogers is basically full sprint on your left, and that's the first line <laughs> of the movie. And then he laps him like five or six times, and every time the guy who's lapping him, who's in great shape and a uh, you know, former soldier himself who's going at a good pace, is getting more agitated. And uh, as every time Steve Rogers is getting closer, it's like, don't say it, don't say it, on your left. <laughs> and the very last line of that movie is on your left. Mm. So when they have the big battle scene and, and Doctor Strange comes back and is opening the portholes for people to come, the first thing that... Captain America hears is on your left, and it's you know oh, it, wow. it, it, it's Sam coming you know yeah. like through there. But anyways, uh, and I do also want to say, I saw it opening night, and I saw it with a crowd, a bunch of geeks who are really invested, and the absolute collective of losing our shits um, when Thanos is fighting Thor and has Stormbreaker. You know the replacement to you know on on Thor like pushing down and about to you know in the Thor and all of a sudden you know 
Thor's hammer comes flying out of nowhere and it goes back and it's Captain America who threw it. Lost it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were happy when that happened. When I, when we saw it the second when I saw it the first everyone time. Everyone lost were, it. Yeah, people were just like, Yeah. And did you see Age of Ultron? Yes, once. So there was that scene where they're all sitting around, it's just the Avengers post party, and everyone's like, So if I move the hammer, if I'm worthy to move the hammer, I'm king of Asgard, and Thor's like, Yep. And they all try and and fail miserably, and then Captain America comes over and moves it just a quarter inch, an eighth of an inch, and the look on Thor's face of oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) He might be king of Asgard. And now the theory is like could he have moved it all along and he didn't want to embarrass Thor? Would he wanted to move it just enough to get that reaction out of there? But either way, mm-hmm. so flashing to the end of the movie, so Captain America is going to return all the stones and he's supposed to come back in five seconds. And time travel. And yeah. time travel. He could be gone in his time for a year, five years, however long it takes because he has to go across the galaxy and return right. everything. You know, pre and so... But he only has enough, there's like fuel, basically. Right. Like he, he can't just sort of come and go as he pleases. He has like a window of opportunity or he can only use, yeah. like. But in our, in, in their time and in, in, in the current time, it will only be seconds yeah. that he'll be gone. Yeah, he just comes back. So he doesn't come back. And they're like, check the machine. What's wrong? Where is he? And then, but the funny thing is, I saw it the first time. And, I, you know, so the second time I really knew. But it was really interesting as he comes back, or he doesn't come back, everybody's freaking out. And then Bucky says to Sam, Sam, and he points. And 20 feet away, there's, you know, a little lake where, where Tony Stark lives in a bench. This old man sitting there. And it's Joe Biden. No, wait, it's not <laughs> Joe Biden. He looked like Joe Biden. He did look like Joe Biden. Um, it's an old Steve Rogers. Very old, 90 maybe. Hmm. Um, and Very uh, handsy. Very. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that's Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden. Um, he, and in a uh, a very happy 90-year-old... Content. Content. Thank you. And, uh, and and he decided after his mission was accomplished, after the umpteenth time he saved the universe, like every living being across the universe that he helped bring back. And again, he did it in 45. You know, he did it in Avengers. He did it in, you know, you go down the list. Mm-hmm. He's been this this champion for, for freedom around the galaxy now. Um, and you know what? He just, he was, he was ready to have a life of his own. He was ha- ready to have a life with the woman of his dreams. Yep. Agent Carter. Um, and so that's what he did. Yeah. It, uh, well, I mean, it's actually, it's, it's fitting because... I mean, he was plucked from his time. Right. You know, he was frozen. The man out of time. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just sort of like our, his his reward to himself. That, you know, he, as he put it to Sam, um, I, I decided to do that thing called living. Or give that, give that, give that living thing a try or something like that. Because Tony had, like, after, after, and you know, what was also interesting is... This movie took place five years after Infinity War, and Tony Stark has moved on, and he had a life, and he had a daughter, and I, I can't even say it now, but like mm. you know, I say to I say to the kids now, I love you three thousand, yeah, three thousand, wow. And then when he goes downstairs and says, "Bumper, you were hovering around like the five to six hundred mark." It's yeah, this little thing he did with his really sweet daughter, and um, yeah. and and and. 
And he, you know, Steve wanted that. Yeah. You know, um, he never, you know, and, and it was a kind of a running thing. Like, I mean, let's face it, that is America's ass. And he could have, you know, uh, but he his heart was only with one person who, you know. I, I don't remember what happened with Agent. Like, I don't, I when, he don't come, to... when he comes back, uh, she basically dies of Alzheimer's. Uh, oh, and, okay. and she's still alive at the end. And she was happy. That, and, and there was a really thing where he goes to see her. And, and this this is one of those little callbacks. So oh, I remember that. Yeah. It cuts back in this movie to, you know, after he explains that he didn't come back, it cuts back and it's 1948 in a little house, a little post-World War. You like, you know, those little track housing. And here's Steve Rogers dancing with her. As my kid put it, the scene from Up. Yes. It, yes. <laughs> thank you. Oh, you're kidding. Bad a thousand at that movie. And so what it, what it you know. Anyway, so he uh, he was very happy. He he went back. He lived that life, and then but you know uh, this world still needs a Captain America, right? So he passes the shield on to Sam. Sam, and what was interesting, and it, it was one of those other callbacks, just before he gets in the time machine to go, and he's saying goodbye to everybody. He's coming back in a minute, but he purposely goes over to Bucky. His closest friend, who he's given up everything to save a couple times, um, and he says, "I'm gonna, I'm going to miss you." And then Bucky says, "You know," and and this is again, it's a callback to Captain America, the first Captain America movie, when Bucky's going off to war and Steve Rogers can't get into the military because of his his ailments and he's kind of a cripple and stuff. And he says uh, his scoliosis in the back and he's really tiny. Um, and he says to Bucky, "It's like you know." Well, Bucky says to him, don't do anything stupid till I get back. And then Steve says, how can I do anything stupid? You're taking all the stupid with you. And it's the exact same thing he says to him. He's like, you're coming back in five seconds. You might be gone for two years, three years, but you're coming right back. Why is he going to say? And when he said that, like when we originally saw it, management and I looked at each other like, all right, something's up. Like, why is he going out of his way to say bye to everybody, but especially you know, Bucky. And then, of course, you know, Bucky's history and stuff like that. I mean, you know, and Sam, Sam, Sam was the perfect choice, you know, to to pass the shield on to. So I, I, th- I thought it was great. I thought that was great. Um, the death, though, that Romanoff, Black Widow, I mean, that, I mean, it, it's crushing. That's the one I think about a lot. I mean, Tony... Tony was great, and to- but Tony had the family and stuff. And I'm not saying any one was worse than the other. I mean, when Pepper came over and told him, it's okay. We're going to be okay. You know, like that was her last words to – and he knew what he was doing. You know, and the whole storyline with with uh, with Doctor Strange where he's like, is this in? Because I can't tell you, but Doctor Strange knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and he couldn't – but with Romanoff, you know, to get the Soul Stone – a soul for a soul, and both Clint was there and Romanoff. And what I loved, and I, I mean this, I was talking to management about this. I don't know the last time I've seen in a TV show or a movie an absolute love story between a man and a woman that was never anything but a thousand percent platonic. Right. There was never any even joking in your windows, any. Well, maybe if it was a different time or maybe there was never a hint of anything, but they were partners. They 
absolutely loved one another more than or as much as Tony loved Pepper, as much as, you know, Steve loved Agent Carter, as much as anybody loved anybody, as much as Clint, you know, Hawkeye loved his wife, the love with him and, and Romanoff. And just, I mean, when they were both kicking the shit out of each other to sacrifice themselves, right. you know, for the other one so that the other one could live. They, one of the two of them had to die to get the soul stone. And neither one of them wanted the other one to do it. And they both justified how they were the right person to go and do it. Um, and, you know, and she 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 won, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, not coming back. You know, there, there's a lot of things you could undo with the Infinity Stone. And, it, and, when, and when Banner slash Hulk, Hulk Banner, you know, told them that, you know, it's like, you know, when he had control of the Infinity Stones and brought everything back, he said to Clint, he's like, I tried. I really tried. But that's the one thing. You can't undo it because it's a it's a paradox. It's like if they bring her back, it's it kind of negates the sacrifice that they made for the Soul Stone, which gave him the ability to bring her back. And, you know, so, you know, Loki dies in Infinity War. But now is he dead? You know, because of the whole thing with the Tesseract yeah. in that timeline. Right. Um, and you always thought, it's like, he was a really popular character. You know what I mean? It's like, and... And, and he made, like, such a small cameo in this movie. It was like, so great. Yeah. yeah. What was he playing? Was he playing catch with himself? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, for, that's also from, um, that's, that's from um, um, The Dark World. Right. And by the way, another reference to, uh, a, like, they reference Back to the Future, but the premise of them going into previous movies is Back to the Future Part 2. Right. They go back into the first movie to do something that they need to do for the second movie. So, I was just looking for, like, a, a phone booth to appear with two <laughs> surfer guys come out. They, um, by the way, Bill and Ted's 3 coming out. Anyways, go they, on. they, so, and, so we know Gamora is still alive, mm-hmm. but it's not the Gamora that fell in love with Peter Quill, but it is Gamora. Um, we know that Loki pro- probably is alive because of the mishap with the Tesseract when they went to receive the Tesseract, um, that time. Uh, but Romanoff's dead. Romanoff isn't. And you've got to think the Avengers, the original six Avengers, three of the six are gone. Is Vision back? No. Vision is not coming back. Because oh, he died prior to the snap. Right. Prior, and I think that was it. Anything prior to the snap, you couldn't bring back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, and so he wasn't, he was a second wave of like the Avengers and stuff like mm-hmm. that when Sam joined and stuff like that. And, and, um, and the Scarlet Witch, but yeah, it was. Um, and I am, and I, I felt guilty. I felt really guilty seeing it opening night and not telling our boys. Like they still don't know that we've been living this lie. Um, but now we saw it together, and now that it's not crazy, I'll be honest. I'll probably see it another two or three, three or four times in the theater, like in the middle of the afternoon when I can go. Here's the thing, Joe. Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Why did why did we pay for the tickets? Yeah, I know. We went to the theater and it was Sunday afternoon. They were woefully understaffed, so much so that they, I guess they had a full court press on the concession stand because we walked right in. Nobody checked your phone. Nobody checked yeah. anything. And, and I'm thinking, we were collectively, what, 100 bucks for, for eight tickets and or stuff like that? And there were eight of us. It right. wasn't just like one guy, like, you know, darting his eyes back and forth, looking for the guy that would be collecting the tickets and then sneaking past him. It was eight people eight of us. walking down a very empty corridor <laughs> uh-huh. to our movie. 
you know, and and, and it yeah, the concession stand was crazy when we got there, but one of the three times I went to go to the bathroom, I went to get, you know, more snacks for one of the little guy. Nobody at the counter at all. Like I walked around and then, you know, we see a manager guy goes, Oh, you know, give me a couple minutes to get somebody. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm going to fucking back to the movie. And then like the 10, 20 bucks he lost out on obviously wasn't going to hurt. But literally he had to walk around. That reminds me, I still owe you $10 for the two bottles of water I bought. <laughs> Seriously. Jesus Christ. Uh, Take it out of my son's pay for the yeah, exactly. Dude, crazy. Um, all right, so that that, that 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 actually was part of my plan worked. We're skipping over this week in tyranny and the Batman talk. We were going to talk about Robin Pattinson joining his. I mean, he'll be fine. Robert Pattinson will be fine. Yeah, or he'll well, suck. Just, just one second. No. The, no, no, no. Literally, one. The Game of Thrones. I didn't even want to talk about my thoughts on him becoming Batman or my thoughts on Game of Thrones, but just the petitions that are going around. Stupid. Like, like. I guess a million Game of Thrones fans are demanding HBO reshoot the last season. Not only yeah, it's right. It's, it's so it's, you're you're a colossal loser. Yes, a monumental myself. Uh, um, pioneering. <laughs> what we? I can't think of me ever signing a petition because I didn't like how Lost ended, or 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 uh, what's one of the other movies that I've loved, like you know that or TV show. Millions of people. I mean, first of all, I mean, Games of Thrones owned owned everything like the last ten years. Like, I, I, you can't look at the Huffington Post without last night on Game of Thrones between the Starbucks cup and people hating the ending. It's like, wow, way to go out with a bang! And it's only ending like this weekend. Like, this is like the, is the last episode of this weekend. But so, I don't know. It's stupid. But, yeah, um, but I can't and, wait till it's over. And, and same thing. It's like. I wasn't Ben Affleck was my first choice, but he was fine. But I can't imagine like signing a petition, signing a petition to have somebody else recast you know? as, as uh, so. Yeah, Robert Pattinson from Twilight is going to be the next Batman. Great. Who cares? It'll be fine. If it's not for you, fuck off. Go watch. You know, there's many iterations as has been announced on this podcast of Batman that you can enjoy. And so we're going to skip right over This Week in Tyranny. Everything, except I will say uh, the wife and I did look into it. We looked at, when, when when the United States started stealing brown children, We I told you, I even called Elizabeth Warren's office and said, how can we get on a list to sponsor a family, to sponsor these kids? How can we help? We've done the same thing. And I actually steered away from the term because I wasn't sure if it was um, if it was appropriate to use. But in my head, I, I had thought of this. And then when my wife said, yeah, there are coalitions being put together. There are nonprofits forming now to create a modern-day underground railroad. And uh, we, we, as we've talked about, we've taken in this foster family last winter that is going to be with us to the 1st of July, then we have an, an in-law apartment downstairs, you know, a two-bedroom apartment that won't be used. Um, New studio. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that. Or we, we've already reached out and talked to some, some of these people. It's like we would like to be part of this. If we can help house people, like, you know, because pe- the thing is it's not just they're outlawing. A woman's right to choose. It's it, it's it's horrible that they're outlawing a woman's right to choose. They are criminalizing it now, so people are truly going to have to leave. And and there's a lot there's lots of people out there doing it. I'm not sure how it's going to shape out, but that's the only thing I want to say. I'm not getting into. And they what is it like? Th- they have like 90 days or six months to have the law actually go into effect, right? right. 
So it, it could be. And, and here, 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 here's the two big red headquarters. We're not going to get it. I promise. But the the female governor who signed it and, and and tweets out that you know the every life is sacred thing. The day after she signed it was the day that they executed the seventh person in the state of Alabama on death row this year. Under under her administration, since oh, she's taken oh, oh, office, okay. they've executed seven people. I'm not getting into death penalty being right or wrong. I'm saying you signed a piece of legislation and you tweet out that every life is sacred and you're saving people, but yet you hold the pen that could save these seven death row inmates that that have 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 happened. You know, and and the awful things of people people congressmen. The key word is men saying things. Well. I was a cop for 20 years, and most of the rapes were date rapes or consensual rapes. Um, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not speaking any further about that except to say that we are in The Handmaid's Tale. We are not only making women's choice illegal or outlawing women's choice. We want to criminalize up to 99 years. So if a woman – and there's no – Abortion doctor. There's no, the right. There's no exception – for rape or incest. And as you know, in Alabama, as, as, uh, as Chris Titus put out this week, Talabama. Talabama, uh, that is great. I, I do always love Talabama. Um, yeah, daddy opening a beer can is foreplay. A can of beer, mm. when you hear the can of beer open, that's foreplay. All jokes aside, it's like, yes, a woman can get raped by a family member who will face less jail time than if the woman has that baby. Than a doctor who would perform an abortion. Oh, doctor who would perform Well, the woman, too. The, they want to throw the woman in jail. Yeah, are you sure about I'm that? I'm 100%. Okay. And not only that, Joe, they're telling people now you really can't go to the doctors anymore and find you – because know, if they can if they can get hold of, like, your menstrual cycle and you miscarry, you can go to jail for having a miscarriage. And Is it considered manslaughter? Well, do you realize the amount of miscarriages that they – have you know i i had a friend who had a miscarriage not knowing they were pregnant and actually went to the doctor because they had an issue and the doctor told them that it crushed this person and can you imagine that doctor being obligated to then call the police to investigate this this woman's whore so mm. i'm not getting into it sorry to start Bob, but i'm not sitting by the sideline we are not sitting by the sideline we have it, it, it's we don't have much, but we do have – we come July, we'll have an in-law apartment. We live by a train station that gets you right from the airport. We're happy to go pick people up. And it sounds awful. It's like I can't wait to help women make this – Incredulous journey to, this to do this, this awful thing. Right. To, yeah. And, and, and It's all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. And if, if – if, but we, if we can help – then, then we have already reached out to, to these these organizations being saying we can help. I will go to the airport and pick somebody up. They can stay here during this time. You know, we can we can we can give what we can give. And it's like and and, and look if some, somebody wants to come up and stay, you know what I mean, get, and get their life together and get the fuck. And, and 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 it was like, is it eight weeks or nine weeks? And and six. Is it are they six because Missouri? Like that, no, the heartbeat bill is six. You're talking about because it, there's, there's uh, Georgia, which has the heartbeat bill, which is you can't perform an abortion after the sixth week because that's when you supposedly can detect the first heartbeat. Even though most women don't, a lot of women don't find out they're pregnant until after the sixth week. It's not till you miss your period, yeah, which, is, which, can, which can fall into that window. Yeah. 
So that's a, it, it's just, it's all crazy, and we all know that this these are this is the long game that the Republicans have been playing, where they've wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade, and they want to they want to make it a state issue again. So now they now they got the cards stacked in their favor on the Supreme Court. Now and, they can put and, in these wacky laws to challenge it in the Supreme Court, and then have it overturned, and then go. You know, now it's yeah. Well, we'll be we'll be back to you know 1950s America, where you know only. Um, Crazy liberals in, in, in five states are allowed to perform abortion, <laughs> those hippies. So, you know what? I commend you for uh, offering your home to uh, foster these these people who are in dire need of your services. I would do the same, but I don't have a mini fridge down here, so I can't. <laughs> and on that note, listen to this week's defunct sponsor. King Vitamin, can you come out? I'm just on my way to breakfast. Will you join me? King Vitamin, have breakfast with the king. King Vitamin, have breakfast with the king. Get a sweet corn cake and all the vitamins you need. You have breakfast with the king. Get King Vitamin cereal. Have breakfast with the king. I love you, King Vitamin, you know. All right, so before we get into sport... Are you re- you ready to do this? Am I am I singing this or to, uh, to the? Uh, am I I gotta get the music up? Do, do, do you need? Yeah, you can do you can do the music. You can do the spoken word. You can do, and you know what? You don't have to do the whole song, Joe, because uh, the whole song is great. You know the. Uh, <laughs> let me let me tell the fine folks what we're doing this week in self indulgent theater. I've requested Joe do his John Oliver verse. You know, it's been a long time, so finally I get to hear some John Oliver from Joe. And Joe was binge watching Cheers, but he fell off the bandwagon. So, and in an effort to get, you know, to right those two wrongs, I figured I'd ask him as nicely as I could if he would please find it in his heart to do John Oliver doing the theme from Cheers. And I was going to say, just do the first two verse, the verses from the. From the show, that you know, the third verse is is pretty great too, but it's not in the show about the guy who's like, does he become a cross dresser or become something a like yeah. that? Yes. <laughs> all right, so I, I here we go. Here we go. All right, this is just right off, all you. I'm right just off the old bean. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights where you've got no light and the check is in the mail. And your little angel hung the cat up by its tail. You know what you did, cat. And the third fiance didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Finally tonight, you want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. They all know your name. Roll out of bed. Mr. Coffee's dead. The morning's looking bright. And your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write. And your husband wants to be a girl. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where people know. People are all the same. 
want to go where everybody supposedly knows your name. Finally tonight, alcoholism. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's one of your top three impressions. I'm, I'm going to make you do more, John Oliver. I guess I only have three impressions then. <laughs> You're one of the smartest guys I know. You don't know many people. <laughs> no, that was great. Joe. Thank you. We, we've made this reference before, but... Uh, but it, finally, the long-suffering Bostonian sport fans like ourselves, there, there's a ray of hope. There's a chance, Joe, and that's all we're asking for, a chance. Mm-hmm. This drought. I know. We have, been, we have been in a desert, and finally we see an oasis that could be the Stanley Cup champion Bruins. Uh, 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 the, the, the shimmering light of, of, uh, of, of destiny reflecting off Lord Stanley Cup. It's been since February. It's been since February 2019 the city has had a championship. I know. And it's been very cloudy these past <laughs> few months, but finally there there is sunlight coming through those uh those darkened clouds. Uh, we we're we're cocksuckers. We're, yeah, <laughs> we suck. We, we, the worst. The worst. I'm actually watching hockey. I saw the game four. Dude, I actually, so... I actually fell asleep immediately after the open net goal. Like I couldn't stay up any later. I, I was gonna say not that it was like, like a late night, but uh, you know, I fell asleep like after the first period. I was gonna say, yeah, so did Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> a sweep, dude. Um, and quite the sweep. I mean, how many goals? They, five. They've scored five goals in four games. Wow. You know, and they had a two to one the lead. Canes. The Canes had a two to one lead in game one. I think they had a two to one lead mm-hmm. in game one. Uh, yeah, it's it's. It, 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 <laughs> well, you, what you said was correct before the Canes before the Canes series that the Bruins really, because of the way all these other upsets had ha- occurred, they really have like the path cleared to go to the Stanley Cup and. Pretty much win it. The, the first the first round we played Toronto, and Toronto was only a couple points behind the Bruins in the regular season, and they play they match up very well. It's not surprising it went to a game seven. It was the third game seven that those two teams have had in the playoffs. I think in the last five years, like last year the Bruins beat Toronto in game seven, and it was like five years early they beat them in a, in a, in a seven game series. Um, but the team that ran away with the regular season, Tampa Bay, got swept by the AC uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. So, the, you know, so when the Bruins played them, it's like, yeah, it was six games, and and but but truly, a couple, you know, one one, it, it is what it is. But uh, it could have been a five game series. It, there was no doubt that the Bruins were going to win that. Was it five? Was it six years? But even though they finished lower in the seating, Columbus was a much better team than Carolina Hurricanes. And I think it's because of divisional seeding. That's why Carolina had a high ranking. But Carolina, you know, they, they got through two rounds. They swept the, you know, the, but that was the amazing thing about Columbus. Columbus didn't get by to, uh, Tampa Bay. They swept them. They swept the best team in hockey. But in the last series, Carolina swept the Islanders. And again, either the Islanders or, or Carolina, neither one of them are a great team, but they're decent teams. Uh, I didn't... A lot I, of sweeps in the Eastern Conferences. And, and that's the thing. It's like the Bruins did not have to play Tampa Bay. They did not have to play Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals because the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes took care of them. And, and, and I think Carolina 
Yeah, Carolina was down three games to one to the Capitals and came back and won a seven-game series. I mean, it's mm. so the the teams that the Bruins are steamrolling have had great playoff success this year, um, and now. Talk about uh, first world problems or problems with the rich. Now the worry is the Bruins will have 12 days off. Yeah. That's an eternity. It is. In the regular season during the All-Star break, you get like four or five games off or so. 12 days. Now, on one hand, Rask is, is Rask is in rarefied air. He, when people talk about the great Tim Thomas run to the cup in 2011, which Tim Thomas won three games, sevens. He literally, his best games in every series was its last game. He, he won the cup. He was the con Smythe. He didn't have a bad playoff. You know, he obviously he didn't have a bad playoff, won the cup and won the con Smythe. But there was a couple games where he, he wasn't, he wasn't great every game. The Bruins played 25 games that playoff series. And, and he was probably great in 18 of them. Now, Rask hasn't had a bad game. He's had a bad goal here or there, but his goals against average, his save percentage, he is now one shutout in the playoffs away from Jerry Cheever's record of eight shutouts as a Bruins goalie. And if you follow hockey a lot, especially in the Boston area, um, I don't know why, maybe because he, he does get paid a lot and they haven't won a cup with them. Um, the people have, he's not a beloved player. Let's just put it here. He, he isn't one of these, you know, People usually love the goaltenders. You know, we can't win with Rask is always thing. He can get you to the playoffs. He can win a playoff series, but you won't win a cup with Rask. You know, um, they lost a cup to Chicago in 2013. Uh, that was a juggernaut of a team. They lost in game six. But I, don't, I wouldn't say he lost. Anyways, mm -hmm. the Bruins are in the cup. Um, he's also in a different headspace now than he was back then. So. I, I really, he's, and that's the thing. It's like he's in the zone right now, just a 12 days off. Hurt. Oh God! Yeah, right. The last thing somebody like Rask needs is time to reflect. <laughs> and, and, and so, Sedana Char, who I love, but at the same time, I mean, there was a couple times in this playoffs where I mean, he's. <clears throat> Let me put something in perspective real quick. Sedana Char is older than Tom Brady, and everybody keeps talking about Tom. Or it's amazing what Tom Brady's doing at his age. Mm -hmm. Sedana Char is like six, eight months older than Tom Brady. And I, I, I literally think his size, because he's like 6'12", has kept him in the league a couple extra years because of his reach. Um, at least once a game, he does a free puck giveaway. But he's still your third, fourth best defenseman. He's still, you know, on, a, on the worst day of the worst day, he's your fifth best defenseman. And you need six, seven great defensemen. Um, but he's also a leader. He's huge. He's all these things. Um <laughs> the Bruins were not only so confident in winning game four, so what? We don't win game four. We go, they're not going to win four in a row, two in the garden. They rested him. He didn't dress for game four. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering. Hey, so that was a rest. That yeah, was, that was yeah. a rest. He okay. wasn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, they were like, because they didn't know, you know, if they lose and go to game five, if, if that other series was a sweep, you know. They, so Sudan Achara will have gone two full weeks, like, 14 days between playing games. You know what they call that in a in the video game world? A fortnight. Uh, is that is that 14 days of fortnight? Yes. Look at look at you dropping the knowledge on us. Uh, and now I know that. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> Real American hero. And so he... America's oh, ass. Oh, wait, that's something else. <laughs> I could do this all day. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so... Uh, 
Yeah, so so anyways, it, 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 you know, and fuck you, Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics were they the Celtics were the odds on favor to making like the the there wasn't even a close second to making the NBA finals this year. Oops, and they got swept. So, anyways, hey, you know what? They said the same about uh, Tampa Bay. They did, they did, they did. And and in nineteen, I was reading this. In nineteen thirty, when I say reading, wasn't in book or newspaper. It was on Twitter. <laughs> so that's fine. Two hundred eight eighty characters. But the only time in the history of sports in North America that a city won three recognizable like championships was nineteen thirty five in Detroit. Red Wings won the Stanley Cup. The Tigers won the World Series. And the Lions won whatever football trophy precipitated the Lombardi. It was this was pre pre-Super Bowl, pre-NFL NFL. Yeah, yeah. Pre merger. Um but no they were and were they they were an were they an AFL? No, they were they were an NFL. They were an NFL. And again, I think, you know, it's back then I think there were six teams or eight teams, you know, and then baseball had like fourteen teams or something like that. The NHL had six. I'm not dismissing it, but the last time was you know, eighty years ago that a city won three chains. And the Bruins haven't won. Like the 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 next four games, the next four wins are gonna be the hardest. You know, you're playing you're either going to be playing St. Louis or you're going to be playing, oh, gonna be playing the who? Sharks. The the St. Louis Blues, who he's, he's, they're playing who? <laughs> David Johnson. <laughs> Thank you. They uh who we talked about, Bobby Orr's two Stanley Cups were against Naven Johnson <laughs> and uh, and and part of me wants to play the Sharks only because if if when the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, who are the three championships that the city of Boston would have won this year against who? St. Louis. Uh, no. Oh wait, wait. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, what? If the if the if the if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup and they beat the Sharks, oh, name the, the, Sharks. the three teams that the Boston that the Red Sox, the Patriots, and the Bruins would have beaten. Would have beaten. Yeah. Who who did the Red Sox beat for the World Series? Uh, they beat. Uh, how quickly I forget. Oh, yeah. L.A. Yeah, it's beat L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who the did LA the Patriots win? Yeah. And San Jose Sharks. So the state of California. Yeah. Blue on blue violence. <laughs> <laughs> they will absolutely hate that we. Uh, oh boo we, we made the state of California our pitch. Anyways, but getting ahead of ourselves, it's a long way off. Um, blowing through this quickly because we are the refs. If it, if the San Jose Sharks do win, the San Jose Sharks have been gifted three games. I mean, gifted three games. Um, I won't get into it, you know, but everybody who listens to us, all the FNH guys and and the few people like Floor who don't, uh, there have been three calls at the end of games. So there was a goal scored in game, game three of the Sharks, uh, the San Jose Sharks, Naven Johnson Blues champion uh, series, where it was a hand pass. And, and, and it's not reviewable, or was it? It's, it what it clearly was, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like for some reason they can't review it, and everybody was saying it's like, look, the refs get together, and somebody from the NHL on the airpiece says, "Hey, one of you linesmen say you saw it, and let's fucking drop the puck. Let's. This is embarrassing. That it was a Stanley Cup overtime game winning goal. It it decided. It wasn't like the Bruins had a bad call goal against him a few weeks ago where the puck left the surface, hit the netting out of play and bounced back in and the ref missed it. And they scored a goal. The Bruins won that game like four to two at the time. It made a two, two or it made it close. It didn't affect the outcome of the game. 
this affected the outcome of the series. Same thing. And and the Golden Knights, it's like, yeah, the Golden Knights had a bad penalty against them. They had a five-minute major called against them at the end of the game. And in that five minutes, credit where credit's due, San Jose Sharks did score four enhancer goals, but still, it shouldn't have been a penalty at all. And, and, and so anyways, um, I got it. You know, but the but the NHL is uh, my the NHL fa- is what uh, the, the the officiating is taking, or not just the officiating, not that people miss calls, but the review policies of what can be reviewed and mm. what can't be reviewed. Either review nothing or view everything. If you are offsides and the play continues honestly for two or three minutes and a goal is scored, they can go two or three minutes back, review that you were a half a skate length offsides, and then reset the clock and reset the clock and, and negate a goal. You can't review if there was a, a hand, hand pass, pass on an overtime, <laughs> yeah, know, playoff uh, winning goal. Uh, eh. But my favorite hockey clip of the week this week what was it the Bruins handshake line or anything. Did, did, did you see no. our president? I'm sorry, um, Vladimir Putin. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he plays. He plays in a charity game every year. And dude, I, I would be embarrassed. Like honestly, if if I'm playing a charity game when I'm 90, like the guy, the guy Paul who runs Friday Night Hockey. People don't get out of his way when he skates the way people get out of Vladimir Putin's way. And he scores a goal, and a goalie doesn't make an effort on it, and the crowd goes wild. It's like, I, it's 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 horrible. But the great thing is he's literally taking a victory lap and didn't see that they had already started bringing out the red carpet for for uh, for the post game award ceremony where he's going to get the MVP for scoring his six. Hey, goals. fairness to Vladimir Putin. It's kind of hard to see a red carpet on ice. I mean, it doesn't. It's not exactly evident that it's. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, Follow up story: the people who put the red carpet are now dead. Yeah, right. Do <laughs> uh, I have anything else on here for sport that matters? Oh, so Jamie Collins. Oh. So three years ago, Jamie Collins, who was our stud linebacker, um. Halfway through the season, got traded to, speaking of Russia, Siberia. I think they sent him to the Siberian Huskies. Uh, He went to Cleveland, and people lost their shit. It's like he is the best player on defense. He was in a contract year, and he was what they would call freelancing. Instead of playing the game and and, and following the scheme that the defensive coordinator had, he was trying to get as many sacks as he could in a free agent year to get a big paycheck. He was playing okay, but there was places where he really hurt the team. And by hurt the team, they were still 7-1. and one. <laughs> But we sent him to the Cleveland Browns, and people were lost their shit. Like, had Bill lost his mind? It's like, and, and truly, the Patriots went on to, for the rest of the regular season, be 7-1 and one, and went on to play the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. I'm not really sure how that game wound up 28-3 to three with two minutes and eight seconds. I think it quarter. was d- deemed undecided. <laughs> They it, it, I think it was. I think they just shook on it and they called it a draw. Uh, Jamie Collins that season, as the Patriots went seven and one without him, the second half of the season played on a team that was one and seven with him, and ended that season one and fifteen. The next year, as the Patriots went thirteen and three and made it to yet another Super Bowl, Cleveland went undefeated. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Went defeated. Oh, and 16. So his first, uh, what is that? Help me with the math. 24 games. He was one in 23 as the Patriots went on to win a Super Bowl and not win the next one the next year against the Eagles. 
Um, and then this past year, yeah, uh, Cleveland turned things around. They're nine and seven, almost made the playoffs, almost made the playoffs, which is huge for Cleveland. Whereas the Patriots almost didn't win another Super Bowl, but yet they did. So, um, so he got the huge paycheck, and now he's coming home. And I'm a little conflicted. It's like, did he mature? Did he see? It's like, wait a minute. I was a great player on a great team, but without me, they went to three straight Super Bowls. Um, I got my money. Now I just want to play football. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, why is Cleveland, who's rebuilding, who has turned a corner, who has gone out and signed some free agents in, in this offseason, why are they giving up on him? Because he's expensive and he's not reproducing? Uh, well, it's not that I expensive mean, anymore. I mean, his contract, he signed his contract, mm -hmm. he played, so now he can go anywhere. Why aren't they trying? Because he's not getting big money from the Patriots. And they didn't sign him to come in for maybe, big maybe money. Maybe he's not working out with the team. and Maybe it's an internal thing. Maybe he's a pain in the ass. Maybe he hasn't learned a thing. I don't know. Right, but then why are you bringing him back? Um, Because we can't stay mad at him. <laughs> All right. Now, now the fun part of the week. What have you been playing this week? Video game wise, Ooh, what have I been playing? Hmm. I have played Super Ghosts and Goblins for the Super Nintendo on an emulator while I was watching, you know, the Bruins and stuff. Uh, spending some quality time ingesting this mold infested air down here. Um, you know, got to work on that my mesothelioma. Yeah, so I was playing that. I, I, uh, I was actually, yeah, so I was playing like old Super Nintendo games on emulator and, um, not at all questioning what I'm doing with my life. Uh, what about you? Um, this new game came out, uh, Resident Evil 2. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Hope you have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got a beat and you can dance to it, give it a 75. I'm such a loser. <laughs> like, it's fine, man. Like, in between the periods and you know, oh. listening to the post-game show. Wait, you're talking about hockey. Hockey. Talk about <laughs> hockey. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, but, yeah, like at night, you're like amped up. Watch a Bruins game and then, like, you know, listen to the two hour post game show talking about how awesome they were, which, you know, I know how awesome they were sitting there every night playing. And I'm like, oh man, you right. just, you just, but I'm, the thing is, I haven't been this good at a game since Resident Evil 5 <laughs> or 4. Right. <laughs> or 7. Or 7. And so now, yeah, 7 was my, yeah. But mm -hmm. so my, my, I, my thought, or I'm wondering, not enough to actually look it up. So what Resident Evil has done over the past 10 years, you know, they put out Resident Evil 5, then Resident Evil 6, then they reissued Resident Evil 4, then they did Resident Evil 7, then they put out Resident Evil 2. They've gone back. I wonder if they're going to do 8 next or 1 or 3. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, we do 4 because 4... But yeah, 4 is a classic. 4 is a classic. And they redid a few years ago, but it's still... It's not complete tank control. But it doesn't have the fluidity. Is well, that a word? Yeah, it, it, it was not. It was. It was, oh, blah, blah, blah. it was always a third-person shooter. It was never tank control. Resident Evil Four, you're talking about, right? Yeah, it was never tank control. Well, not, I don't know the right word. It but was a third-person shooter where you're, you know, you can you're looking over your character's shoulder and you're aiming your gun and shooting monsters. But you know, it's um, it's not like Resident Evil Two original where you, yeah, you had those tank controls where you had to push up to move forward and then right and left to turn your guy uh so it wasn't and then the, the original game had like sort of an overhead perspective and that was uh, a lot different than what we're used to now 
well, I don't know the right term, but when mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 came out a couple years ago, they upgraded it a yeah. little bit, The play, but it's not like Resident Evil 2 or 7 or 6 or 5 where, you know, the people who are chasing you, the movement, and, and if you're going to shoot somebody, it's just very, it's uh, honestly, it's akin to playing Cubert. <laughs> like, it's like, clunky. Very. Like yeah. the way you have to turn in order to do anything, it's, it, it, it is, it's a great story. It's like, Supposedly, like the best storyline of, of one of them. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but it's good. But I, I, I would, I would wonder if they're going to put out one, three, redo four before eight comes out. Yeah, you will have to wait and see. Um, I haven't heard any Resident Evil news, but they are putting out uh, three. Is it two games on the Switch? There's like two Resident Evil games that they're reissuing. You know, just for the Switch, uh, which we talked about. I think that's coming out this month so i don't know if you're getting a second switch for yourself so that you could play those on the go i mean i know you'll be traveling to phoenix uh in la this week you know maybe you know i have i have been to la in like three years so many contacts i'm reestablishing ties with so i don't think i'll be playing any resident evil there but two days later when i'm in phoenix what about how long can i talk to biff (laughs) (laughs) so you know we'll have to wait and see so jacques's gonna go um Hurry on up and pick out a game from my video game collection from yesteryear, specifically the Nintendo Entertainment System. Hey, remember the 80s? I can't forget it. I can't leave the 80s, goddammit. It's still real to me, damn it! Settle down, man. All right, Jacques pulled a game off the shelf. It's... Okay, it is a B game. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's not Batman. Bat- it almost was. I put it. Down. Yeah, it's not Batman. Not Battle Toads. Ooh, not Battle Chess. Um, oh, what is it? B- battle? Is it Battle Tech? Is there? Is the word Battle in the title? There is not. Uh, Bandai Golf. No. Uh, I don't know. I, I give up. Give you a hint, but it would just give it away. Yeah. What is it? Oh, is it golf? It's it's Bandai Golf. Bionic. Oh, Bionic Command. Oh, I thought you were doing. I thought you were doing the no 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 from from Caddyshack. Oh, okay, yeah. Bionic Commando. This is a fun game. I think I might have talked about this before, but nobody remembers. Talk about it again. Who gives a fuck? Me. Yeah. It's a Capcom game from I think '87, and you play. A guy named Joe, uh, Sniper Joe, I believe his name. I know maybe I'm I'm, I'm confusing it. Anyways, um, here we go with talking on the podcast. Brought to you by Joe. <laughs> Stop. You um, it's a it's a platforming game, but instead of jumping, the mechanic is that you have this bionic arm that extends and grapples onto overhanging, you know, objects like a, a rafter or a lamp post or something. And you have to swing your way across or pull yourself up to the next level um, to progress. So there is no jumping. You shoot enemies. You're on a mission to go from one battle zone to the next to infiltrate. Essentially, I think the original Japanese version, you're fighting Nazis. But for the American version, they switched it to a... Generic Third Reich. Not exactly the Third Reich, but, you know, something of that nature. 
and it's um you know it's harrowing it's a, it's i think there are two continues or you pick up continues in the game but uh there it's 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 not a very forgiving game i did beat it uh, when, as a kid i haven't played it i've played it a bunch since but you kind of have to get into that mindset where you have to want to keep trying and you can't fuck up like you can't you kind of have to know where you've made mistakes in the past so that when you restart you can get better and you know if you put it down and you come back to it months later you're like oh i forgot i have to do this this and this in order to not die so at the end you you battle a uh like a, a what do you call it like a, a mech of hitler i think it's like hitler's head in a jar and he's like mechanically uh working this big robot and you have to it's it, it's a fun game uh, Bionic Commando. It's it, this is probably the best port. It did come out for the arcade originally, but it wasn't as good. The Nintendo version um, is the definitive version. They've made several sequels to it, so they've tried to revitalize it and, um, and try to kind of keep the the franchise going. Um, but it's really, I think, the Nintendo version is the best version of Bionic Commando. But yeah, you kind of have to really get used to the not jumping aspect. Uh, before I hand over the Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library by Pat Contry, I want to point out, we've had two Nazi references on this podcast. Neither one made by me. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Times, they are a-changing. Just, just... You oh. thanked Hitler. <laughs> I, I I never... <laughs> Why would I thank Hitler? Bionic Commando is rated four and a half stars by Pat Contry. The player controls Lad Spencer. Oh, I was way off. Oh, wait. Tasked with re- rescuing Super Joe. That's what it is. You're rescuing Super Joe, which is actually a sequel to Commando, another video game that nobody cares about. The player moves on an overhead map and then descends onto enemy or neutral territory. The player selects from available weapons and other gained items, offensive and defensive, before exploring the area. Lad can attack enemies using his gun, but the real draw of the game is the use of Lad's bionic arm which extends to attack enemies, grab items, and most importantly, move around the area. There's no jump function, but the bionic arm can lift the player up to levels above and swing lat horizontally. I think I've said that in my own words. Um, what would you pay for this fine, fine cartridge if you didn't already have it? This is, I think, a, a sought-after one by some collectors. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to wager $20. I think this is a $20 game. Uh, uh, with shipping, oh, we're talking. I see it at twelve. All right. But All that's right. still at twelve bucks. Okay, you know, for card only. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so maybe maybe I'm a. Rube. I bet the box probably cost twenty. Bucks. Yes, right. Because <laughs> that's this fucked up thing. The boxes are more valued than the cartridges in so many cases. We threw them out. We fucking threw them out, and we're just like, yeah, because we don't need them. You take them out of the box and you play the game, right. and you know, you trade your tapes with your friends, and you don't need the box because it just got in the way. Idiot! What did you watch this week? Hmm. Oh, I'm going to recommend something that was brought to my attention by Don Giller on Twitter. Don Giller is the guy who's been archiving all the David Letterman uh, specials, uh, specials, all the David Letterman episodes. He has every single David Letterman episode archived. before, Before you say this, Joe sent me the trailer, what you're about to say. I, I made management stop watching so I could, you know, I could mirror it onto the big TV. And we were both like, holy fuck. Your response to my, I sent the same thing to my wife, the same trailer, because her, 
the person she works with at, at at the college is a you know a drama director and but very into camp like if there was a batman 66 the musical he would put it on in a heartbeat so this is right up his alley and her response i told him i told her to say to to i told her that he would need to see this and her response on text was wow and your response on text was wow identical long way to go for nothing way to go joe anyway so don giller was a guy who digitized all of the late night with uh, David Letterman and Late Show with David Letterman episodes and put them up. He's putting up collections of it on YouTube, thankfully, without being stricken down by copyright infringement or whatever. And doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work if there was one. <laughs> so last week, he said, there's no excuse now. It's on Netflix. You have to watch this. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's a trailer for this thing called Bathtubs Over Broadway. And I'm like... Okay, this seems a little not really like in my wheelhouse or up my alley, but all right, this has like a Letterman connection of some sort, I guess. Turns out the the a longtime writer for um for Letterman, Steve Young, is this not the Steve Young, but that other the other Steve Young. I think his name's Steve Young. Um, he had this hobby of collecting weird. Weird albums. It all started with a bit that was shown on the original Late Night with David Letterman, Dave's record collection. Dave would pull out like these obscure, like, you know, before uh, Tambourine Man by William Shatner became like a viral hit, they showcased that on the segment in the 80s because it was just like the most offbeat records they could find. And Steve Young was part of that bit. And he would stumble upon these musical numbers that were only made for industrial shows, like, you know, inside industry shows. Like, f- these are from, like, the 50s and the, in the 60s. You know, musicals about, musical numbers about, like, um, uh, you know, like, American Standard Plumbing or Ford, like the new Ford Fiesta. And these were legitimate original numbers that were to be presented to uh, the, at industry shows, f- uh, put together by these big companies, so that they could present them and hype up the newest items for sale to their sales force, and say, "Go out and sell it. Here are the high points of what you know you should focus on, and here's an entertaining way of ingesting this information." They put on basically Broadway type shows. For just that audience, they would go. You know, they would go to convention centers, and it would not be publicized to the public. It would not be advertised in any way, and it was only meant for this very narrow group of white men. And, and it was all it was white all uh, theater student actors and second rate musicians putting this together. No, what? No, these are legitimate, like Tony Randall, <laughs> Broadway caliber. Like, you know, when they weren't working on Broadway, they were hiring legitimate songwriters, choreographers, costumers, and actors and talent to sing and produce these and and write like write musicals based on like you know they've even like recently like there's like Walmart the musical and it's only shown to again a very narrow audience. So anyways, this this documentary Bathtubs over Broadway is about Steve Young, this writer for Late Night who had started this collection 
and had become so renowned and like once eBay hit, once the internet became a thing, he became like the industrial musicals guy. Like he was the one that was always outbidding everybody else on these weird records that were put out, you know, not for commercial use and they were only meant to be traded and distributed internally for, you know, the, the, these companies. And um, there was a, you know, he, he had amassed this collection and it, it got to the point where he was become so not- so so notable as this guy who would put together these collections that he put out a book like a couple of years ago, like four or five years ago. Uh, actually, before Letterman went off the air, he went on Letterman's show and advertised this book that was called Everything's Coming Up Profits. And it's a big coffee table book about all of these different types of industrial musicals that were put out for decades without anybody really knowing it in the public. And um, the the uh, documentary not only chronicles his collection, but also it's 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 there's so many facets to this documentary. I watched the whole thing. It goes into it's coincidentally filmed at Steve Young's offices during the final month of production of the Late Show. So you're getting behind the scenes like they're tearing down the studio. Like you get did you watch the whole thing? No, oh, yeah. Oh. They, 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 this is this takes place like during May of 2015, wherein they're you know uh, just chronicling his, his his life and you know what he does for a living when he's not collecting these weird records. So you're also getting that aspect of like, oh, these are the final days of Letterman, and, and Letterman actually makes an appearance on here. Martin Short does a little oh, testimonial. Yeah, I saw that in the promo, and like it was almost like Martin Short, who you know you joke, it's like. What did he pass on? <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, here's my impression of Martin Short's agent calling him. Hey, Martin, I'll do it. <laughs> well, let me just, I'll do it. <laughs> Wait, is it scale? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll do it. <laughs> but the, um, yeah, the other part of the, mu- the 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 documentary is, and I won't get it. I guess because you haven't seen it, I won't spoil too much. But he tracks down like the original writers of these. Like they were like, they they would go on these um, little ventures with um, they would uh, the, the camera crew for the documentary would follow him to other like record collectors that he'd been trading with uh, for years and they'll be listening to a song and they go oh that's a uh, Martin Miller you know like they, I can tell by that you know I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm making up a name but you know they'll they know the inside jargon like they know the words by heart like Steve would listen to these songs like on his iPod you know as like fucking music you know like instead of like regular pop music he would listen to a jingle or, or a number about linoleum you know <laughs> that that sort of thing so it's fascinating but he also tracks down and uh, the original like writers performers who had you know done these numbers at these shows and there was actually film footage like he went to an arc like a television or film archive and he would watch for the first time like the filmed version of an audio record that he had been listening to for years. And it's like, wow, they actually filmed the... And and the sets were Broadway caliber sets and props and... And what you find out in the documentary is that uh, one of the producers or one of the the songwriters or the... the, Yeah, one of the songwriters would say, you know, Broadway had, you know, um, you know, like say like a... 
half a million dollar budget or a million dollar budget or whatever, or $2 million budget, these industry shows had $10 million budgets. They, the money was exponential compared to Broadway. You know, and it's just like, wow, it's this weird underground, like, you, th- you think about, like, the Illuminati and, you, you know, like, all these fake mystical organizations. Uh, well, well, but we then always... this, is, this is actually happening under people's noses, but, you know, on well, a much larger scale. We, we all know that bands and artists, like comedians, make more money going and doing a junket, going and doing corporate gigs. a corporate gig and stuff like that. Like we talked, uh, you know, I've been asked to help put together, get a, a bunch of... A-list people to just go to a gala in Saudi for a production company there that wants to kind of make a big splash and say, we have to party for ourselves for our 10th anniversary, and Robert Downey Jr. showed up. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like this. So there's tons of money in that. But this is different. This isn't bringing a comedian to do their set. This isn't bringing in a band to do a set. This is bringing in a writer, you know, a composer. Commissioning a show. A huge show. Again, with, like you said, the Tony Randalls of the world through the 60s. I mean, Tony Randall was Broadway, 60s and 70s. Yeah. You know, you know. I mean, I'm talking, and the Tony Randall reference is like him in the 80s. Like, this is, you know. But still, I mean. Yeah. A real thing. You know, yeah. It's, I, I will. I will. And it's moving. It's actually a very moving documentary. I got, I got, I got 12 days between Bruins games. <laughs> got a little time to film. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'll stream it and watch it while Biff is driving. <laughs> well, know? while you're driving, you, you know, know, no, no, Biff does drive. Okay, you good. know, Biff does drive. You know, and and, uh, and yeah, so maybe, maybe I'll stream it through his his Bluetooth in the car. We'll listen to his. Uh, his oh what is that what is that baby metal yeah remember it was that what am I saying it right is I that the baby I, I, yeah it's uh, baby metal I think. Ba- baby metal or you know, some J pop or some K pop and you know th- K pop metal and uh <laughs> and, 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 but no I I definitely when you sent that I'm like okay we're watching this 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 is going on, on the list so is it YouTube was it Netflix what it's was Netflix it, it was Netflix yeah yeah it's it's called bathtubs over Broadway and um, it is fascinating to say the least and i will watch it again because it's that good so we're into hour two of this podcast essentially well i'll just say quickly uh i'm all caught up on on supergirl uh which is interesting because they are ripping the pages of today's headlines out it's like she has a new kind of sidekick and she's half alien but she didn't know she was alien so she was brought to this planet without knowing and her name is dreamer (laughs) and Mm. and they're trying to Arrest her for being an alien here, uh, like that guy's. But the series finale of Gotham was this past week. I like it. I've I've always liked Gotham. I mean, you know, sans George Clooney, it's hard for me to talk about a Batman property I don't like. You know, maybe the George Clooney Batman and the um, Batman Ninja that came out like last year. The animated, but Gotham's good. I mean. It's a prequel to being coming Batman, and in the season finale, in the second to last episode, he gets on a plane and goes away, and this is 10 years later, he comes back. And the Joker and the Penguin and the Riddler are, are you know, there, Commissioner Gordon, um, and you see the Batman suit for just like two shots, two or three shots, and that's it. But, you know, it developed the Catwoman. It was fun. Um, through this show, they're doing a spinoff, but not a complete spinoff. They're doing a prequel to Pennyworth, showing how Pennyworth was such a badass. And so, you know, and, and, and that was a big part of this series. It's like the relationship between them, how 
Alfred was more of a father mentoring figure and also, you know, one of his first martial arts boxing instructors type thing. So so Gotham was good. That That's what I watched. You know, it, it probably will be on Netflix and you can binge watch the whole season soon. It's not, you know, it's not as mind-numbing as uh, bathtubs over Broadway. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing down the, the show you know, down to my level. Um, so uh-huh. we got that. And uh, what do we got? Parent, You got a parenting tip? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I left my tip uh, at home. You know, what, 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 get a parenting tip from, like, say, an 80s sitcom that you remember. <laughs> <laughs> Mom said don't play ball in the house. Uh, 70s, but I'll take it, you know. Uh, me, on the other hand, uh, my parenting tip is, yeah, they really suck, but go on your kid's field trip to the Museum of Science for a fifth time inside a calendar year. Uh, it is funny. It, it Had I not invested my time and gone on my son's field trip, I would not have been able to take a picture of a dinosaur and send it out to a bunch of my friends saying, oh, look, there's a Sedana Chur exhibit. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm being told that's just a dinosaur Um, because he's old and really big. So it's funny on two levels. I'm laughing on the inside. That's where it counts. Um, So, yeah, that's my parenting tip is they're mind-numbing and being on a bus with a Bunch of second graders from Lowell to Boston. Yeah. It's a hellscape of, you know, unspeakable. Uh, no yelling on the bus. What you're yelling. <laughs> uh, so that, that that's it. So was, was was it is it is it decided? No podcast next week. So I think we'll take a breather. All right. Well, for our second anniversary, which we launched on Memorial Day 2017. So, so yeah, that, that's how we're celebrating. That's how we're, we're memorializing. Cel- we're honoring our country, uh, the fallen, if you will, um, by, you know... I've fallen. And you can't get out. <laughs> I was actually talking about war heroes, but whatever. <laughs> Same thing. Yes, but enough about, enough about me. What about you? What do you think of me? Um, <laughs> yeah, we're taking the week off next week, so lucky you. Maybe we'll come back. How, how many... Yeah. after. How, 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 how many sideshows, collectively sideshows and carnival personnel are there total? Uh, we're, we're episode 101, and then sideshow in the 40s, so, so like 150 hmm. episodes So collectively nonsense. about 900 hours. Yeah, something like that. With I, a collective four references to Hitler. <laughs> this week. All right, well, uh, I, 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 I wish you all the best over, over your Memorial Day weekend. Um, yes, and congratulations again to you, Jacques, for Assimilate in theater <laughs> yeah, soon June 20 uh, May 22nd is the premiere in, in Beverly Hills and then it's supposed to hit those 10 theaters nationwide right. on the 24th and you can pick up the bootleg on the corner on <laughs> yeah, the way out exactly uh, I don't think anyone's bootlegging. No, well, I thought the producers would actually be bootlegging <laughs> it out of a Prius. Hey, please. <laughs> hey, give this to people. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, it's going to be say not for resale. It's going to be like that industry <laughs> musical circuit finding assimilate on there well i wish you and your family the best memorial day weekend to the listener out there uh see you see you on uh (laughs) thursday or whatever the fuck i'll probably see you friday in phoenix uh but more importantly don't forget 